Welcome to an emergency session of the Casual Watch Talk podcast. Sam has uploaded a controversial video, and I'm here to grab him and, and get him to answer some questions that I have and uh, some questions that you have. And uh, we'll, I think, call this uh, Sam uh, 11, 11E, 11B. Yes, a very dramatic intro there. But yeah, you're right. I uploaded the reason why I sold my Omega Speedmaster on YouTube last night i know we've been talking about it on the podcast for a while but it it did sell it's with its new buyer and he uploaded a video with the reasons why i sold it and it's caused a little bit of a stir overwhelmingly positive comments though yeah i think so i think so i was looking at the comments as they sort of rolled in and i said maybe we should uh maybe we should get together you mentioned the podcast in the video maybe we should get together and uh kind of expand on some of the some of the comments and uh some of the concepts that you you sort of hit but uh surprisingly you know overwhelming behind you your 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 team's behind you yes absolutely so thank you everyone that watched and also took the time to comment on the upload i had my reasons in three main buckets of the reasons why i sold it I think from the comments, people are very understanding of the first reason why I sold it, which was that basically it wasn't getting a lot of risk time. But the other two com, the other two points I made probably got the most comments. I would say you uh, you mentioned Omega's uh, sort of upward momentum of prices. Um, I was I was thinking about that. Um, you mentioned a couple of models that sort of stunned me of that that MSRP price where I can think of maybe five years ago, um, in, in my mind, being able to walk into an Omega Boutique with, you know, $2,500, $3,000 and pick up a Speedmaster. Um, I know those prices have been going up and I was, I was sort of stunned to see where, how high they, they've, they've come. I gave three examples in the upload. And I, I'll give some more on this podcast, so I'm not just regurgitating what I made in the podcast. But mm-hmm. I think what spurred spurred it for me was the the James Bond Seamaster, the titanium one. I just think it's outrageous, that, quite honestly. I know there's people that just specifically collect James Bond watches. And sure, they've been creeping up in price, but, you know, close to 10 grand after tax for a titanium watch. and a commenter did make reference that in the upload, I said that it didn't come with a bracelet, a titanium bracelet. It does come with a titanium mesh strap. But what do you think? I mean, this thing looks like it's $20 off Amazon, this titanium <laughs> yeah. mesh. It doesn't look It doesn't look like it costs, for sure. No, and with it being titanium, that thing is going to rub up against the lugs. I would take that. If I own that watch, I would just take the strap off straight mm-hmm. away. The because yeah. it's going to scratch, you know, those um, mesh straps scratch mm-hmm. the the yeah. inside of the lugs. And I made another reference to the three two one movement. I'm sure we can talk about that. And of course, this forty eight thousand dollar full, almost full titanium Aquaterra. I just can't fathom what they're doing. I mean, the Aquaterra you could argue is more of a an art piece and they were just trying something different and it probably cost them millions of dollars to make a titanium movement. But who's asking for that? I mean... Right. And and you, you bring up a good point. And I think a couple of commenters in the, in the comments um, mentioned 
you know, watch brands. Yes, they they do need to experiment. They do need to to branch out and try, um, you know, interesting, crazy things. I mean, I can think of, you know, off the top of my head, five six brands. Um, you know, for me, like Bell and Ross, they they make these crazy all sapphire case um they they did that uh, laughing skull that's just i mean it it looks like a it looks like a halloween toy sort of you know for for this uh for this watch but in that in that same vein i think that um i think there's always room for experimentation but but i think that omega's really doing more there. And there's some talk about some of their core products being discontinued. Now, uh, the word on the street is the Mark II is going away. Um, and the, there's some other rumors that that your regular Speedmaster is going to change. Um, so so to move to remove those core watches and not and not give a replacement of, you know, in staying in the same market, moving up market. um, I I feel like that's kind of what you're hitting at. You're totally right. Watch companies experimenting thing with things is, is, is definitely a thing to be promoted. I mean, I, Mm -hmm. as soon as you said that, I thought of the Ulysses Nadan, the freak collection, which has that incredible, uh, you know, incredible sort of tourbillon type um, yeah. escapement yeah. on the hands itself. Right. Uh, in- incredible. Where the, where the movement, if you haven't seen it, the movement is basically the the hour hand and the minute hand. I mean, it just, it the whole thing rotates. It's, you know, it's fantastic to look at. It is incredible. But in the same vein, it is something that, you know, that they're trying. Yeah. And, but what my main kind of topic here or my main, explanation was here is you're taking omega which is a luxury tool watch nasa picked it because it was you know a a proven technology a proven test watch an instrument for telling the time and you're taking these core models that the fans have been looking forward Mm -hmm. to the 321 the new james bond seamaster and you just racking up the price on the standard base models i mentioned about the 321 in the video the platinum version that would came out the blocks at 60 grand in platinum and i meant made reference to a steel version yeah there's a steel version but that's fourteen thousand dollars disclaimer we both Mm -hmm. you and i love omega the speedmaster used to be that watch that you really that watch collectors saved for it was it was an achievable goal Mm -hmm. one of the most historically significant chronographs that you could actually own and Mm -hmm. now they're pushing it further and further and further away from people's grasps and to be brutally honest the the pricing themselves as rolex but an omega at this stage, I don't think would get anywhere near the return that right. Rolex would get. It's not right. going to climb up in price. In fact, it's going to decrease in price in the short term. And you're probably not going to be able, not that, you you know, you might not want to sell it. But if you do, if you had to liquidate a watch fast because something happened, you want to know that the money you're putting into it, you could get it back. And I think that some of these ridiculous prices, $48,000 for that titanium mm-hmm. watch, yeah. That will, I mean, how many years do you think you're going to have to hang on to that for it right. to get, even get right. back up to 48? 
Yeah. And I mean, if you look right now, if you look right now, you go to a, a gray market seller, you go to Joma shop, um, you know, you're seeing, I'm, I'm looking at Omega's lineup. Well, yes, the retail is 4,900. Well, if it immediately, if I can get a 2019 model on Joma shop right now for $3,700, then, you know, that, that tells you everything you need to know. Uh, if you're, if you're in Rolex land, and and you mentioned them for as much as they play with precious metals for as much as they you know they are upmarket they are sort of the definition there um the submariner looks like the submariner they've incrementally um made it better uh and yes yes the price is the price has gone up but um i i don't i don't think dr- that radically happened in the amount of time that that maybe Omega is, is shooting for here, I mean, it looks like they're just, you know, within four or five years, we went from that attainable, like you said, that attainable tool watch that that is a staple of your collection uh, to something where it's like, well, for fifteen thousand dollars, yeah, look 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 someplace else. Look for looks for other stuff that gives you joy, and I think you nailed it when you said that the the stuff that's in the thousand dollar market now is is so good that it's worth taking a look at Uh, yeah absolutely and i'll give another example and i don't think we've ever discussed this chris but when i bought my tudor originally we went in the watch shop because some friends of ours he was looking for a nice watch for his wife and we were trying on all different models and she really likes that small seconds minimalist type dial the sort of dirty dozens mm-hmm. type watch mm-hmm. and right. omega this flew under the radar but omega have a seamaster 1948 i believe it was released last year jen she's mm-hmm. called this is exactly what jen wanted and they want for this watch they want for this watch nearly seven thousand dollars it's a very simple watch and i said to her i said jen let me try and find you an original one of these Omegas. Let me try and find you a vintage model because I do not, I honestly can't in good conscience say that that watch is worth the money. Mm-hmm. And when we went back, this was in Las Vegas. And when we went back to Las Vegas, four or five months later, they still had that watch in the shop mm-hmm. and they were offering offering money off it and everything. And mm-hmm. I said, look, just let me find... In fact, we were looking at long jeans. In mm-hmm. the end, and I made reference to this in the video, in the end, I managed to um, show her and my favourite brand at the moment, which is Tudor. And and Jen ended up buying a Tudor for a very reasonable price, two-tone gold Tudor with uh, diamonds on the indices. Fraction. Yeah. Fraction right. of the price. It was pre-owned, and I would encourage anyone... To, if you're thinking of Omega, look, I would say look for pre-owned, uh, to, mm-hmm. to be quite honest. Uh, Bob's yeah. Watches is a great place to look. Bright- Breitling seems to, to to fall a little bit in this camp. You know, we, we talked about it before where, um, you know, you see the, the Super, Super Ocean Heritage uh, that's that came out. Uh, super nice dress diver. Don't pay retail for that <laughs> because that's they're not gonna they're not gonna maintain and if you can if you can get it on sale you can get it discounted um you can pick it up use something like that but the 
the the key there with Tudor, I think, is, I mean, Tudor, with with their Black Bay and with their models out now, it is let them eat cake. I mean, they are they are doing what people want. They are giving people the sizes they want, the models they want, the variation. And I mean, there. I don't think that you'd you'd have. I don't think that any watch, um, even even early, uh, you know, even super aficionados. I don't think you could have an argument that the quality of a Tudor is anything less than the quality of Omega Rolex. I mean, we're we're in the same same level here. I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more with you and. I forgot to mention this 1948 for the princely sum of, you know, $6,900 came with Hesselite on it as well. And I oh, told, told Jen that I said, look, this is going to drive you mad with the Hesselite. I, I couldn't agree more with uh, Tudor. And I don't want people to think that I'm beating up on Omega because I, I do love the Omega brand. The problem is, is when they have these watches and they, they push the prices further and further up, at the moment and I don't know whether I'll get much argument to this, and maybe I will, we're in a watch bubble. And I think... Oh, yeah, yeah. I think just now, we've seen it this week with the advent of the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. If if the Asian market stopped buying Omega, and we saw it this week when the stock market lost yeah. a lot of its value, Swatch Group was the first stock to go down, and it went down more than Richemont, LVMH, we talked about it on the podcast. Omega will it will seriously tarnish its brand I think if it doesn't offer these affordable luxury right. watches yeah, because it has to right if it has at the end of the day when something like this happens they they have you know they they have to move the product they have to get the watches out the door and we'll and maybe we'll see what happens with the Omega mm-hmm. boutiques what happened with the Rolex boutiques where they'll be kind of stuck with stock that you know, date justs that they can't sell. Right, right. Yeah, these, these you know, $48,000 titanium that they have that Omega's not going to take back and they're not going to, and it's not going <laughs> to, and then you get into this uh, tough spot where, you know, where they put the boutiques in a tough spot, so. Yeah, absolutely. So and I think uh, uh, that's been a kind of a, that was that was point three. My, my point two was where I just explained that I had the watch serviced and it really took the shine off me. I suppose some of the, f- funniest comments i've had a few people made reference to the fact that i got married in this watch and was asking i did i i thought about that as it was actually that i made that same point when you first when you first said it a couple of podcasts ago (laughs) well i was was joking with one of the uh, commenters because they they were asking whether my wife would be upset and i was joking i'd eased her into it over time (laughs) because i've never consistently worn my wedding ring so i've I've eased her into it (laughs) right 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 and the and the watch and uh, another comment that I saw and uh, another sort of point you had, and I, and I had uh, an analogy that I was thinking about, is you had this for 12 years and you'd fallen out of love with it. You know, it was sitting in the box. And then what really did it was you had it serviced and, that, and now you were just reluctant to make new memories with something that is in such a good shape that you can... Get some, get some, 
get some money for it, but you know, but pass it on because you weren't going to, you, you weren't considering it wearing it and then you got it service and then it really sort of changed your outlook. And, and like you said, all those, all those other points. Um, and, and I, and I think about it like I had the fun sports car in my twenties. I had the Subaru WRX. And if you asked me today to, to drive around a Subaru WX, I, I actually, I would pass. <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. And it's a, it's a, it's a fun car. And I certainly wouldn't drive around a 2002 WX. Um, I had a, had a great time with it, but, but you had those memories. You had a good time with it. It was part of your, uh, every day. It was part of your repertoire. Um, it was what, it was what was on your wrist when you did those things. But but now you're you've evolved, you've matured, and it's time to it's time to it's time to wear something else, drive something else, and that's okay. I totally agree with that, obviously, because <laughs> I'm the <laughs> one that sold it. And a right. couple of people have made reference to the fact that I would I'll probably regret selling it. Honestly, I mean it's it's possible. I have so far never regretted selling a watch except that mm-hmm. one that we joke about that I sold it when the market was down for the watch, and I wish I could have sold it for more so far i've never regretted selling a watch i mentioned this on the podcast before but i use i try and live quite minimalist anyway and mm-hmm. i've got plenty of photos of the watch my my memories of the watch will will suffice with you know photographs etc i'm i'm not you know i'm pretty sure i won't regret it and and as a as a collector i I appreciate it and I think I think others will should appreciate um the person you know uh, I think one of the things in collecting we talk about is that the one watch collection the three watch collection you know so the guys that can pare down to three watches which I think you're right around you know you're at around like three four watches that's it well with yeah with the exception of the 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 ones that are the true keepers in the collection and that's the ones that I inherited from my grandfathers and also my uh, father-in-law who sadly passed away but i mean as far as yeah the never sells you know the the always keep i get it but the the current everyday carry the current everyday wear you know to get down to two or three i i mean i've been collecting long enough to think like geez you know i don't you know we could just if i could just go back to if i could just go back to we're in that one or we're in those two or that you know that sort of thing um, so that, that courage to do that, uh, good on you. And I look forward to more comments on the video. Keep them coming. I'm glad that I've had such a, an overwhelming uh, response to it. So thanks everyone that watched and commented. So that was a very quick emergency podcast. Thank you for listening. If you're new to the podcast, Chris and I do a weekly upload. So this we'll call episode 11B. So, so far we've done 11 episodes You can subscribe to it on iTunes, on your favorite podcasting app. As always, if you've got any comments, head on over to the Facebook group, leave us a message, leave us a question. As always, we appreciate you listening, and we'll see you next time on Casual Watch Talk. Thanks, guys. Bye.